I find the most valuable is actually the eye gaze replay, basically the playback of the eyes, because I can see what the person was trying to do as they're doing it. I can see where their eyes are going. And so it kind of brings everything together of understanding with eye tracking being kind of a layer, if you will, on top of all the other data we typically collect. It kind of gives me those extra understanding of what those behaviors are. Welcome to Expeditious, a show that brings you quick, insightful interviews with design, product, and UX leaders. In each interview, we dive into how UX research impacts user insights, shaping the design and business strategy of some of our favorite tech tools and products. I'm Alfonso Dilanues, co-CEO and co-founder of UserZoom. And I'm Dana Bishop, VP of Strategic Research Partners at UserZoom. And we are your hosts. Joining us today is Andrew Shaw. Senior Director of Experience Design Research at Mayo Clinic and a leader in the UX field. He's also a faculty member at the Maryland Institute College of Art, teaching human-computer interaction to graduate students. In this episode, we're talking about eye tracking. Andrew is an expert on the topic. He's co-author of the book, Eye Tracking in User Experience Design. And more recently, he contributed to a chapter on the topic in the third edition of Measuring the User Experience. Andrew, so thank you so much for joining us today. I know that you've written extensively on the UX research method of eye tracking. Can you give us a quick explanation of what eye tracking is? Eye tracking is a a really exciting technology that really allows us to sort of see things from the user's perspective quite literally. I mean, we're able to actually track very accurately where a person is looking And that can be looking at something that's on their screen, on their mobile phone, or actually these days even in their physical environment. It's a really powerful tool for those who are trying to understand uh, things like visual hierarchy or sort of visual weight or areas where, as designers, we really want to make sure that our designs are actually usable. And so it really aids in helping make sure that the designs are actually helping people focus on the things that they need to focus on to get things done. A lot of different applications that hopefully we can get into some of them today, but uh, really exciting technology that's actually been around for quite a while and I think has been gaining traction steadily over the years in user experience. That's what I was wondering. So in terms of UX researchers, when might a UX researcher employ this method and why? Yeah, I, I would say it's not for use in every situation. And I think a lot of researchers who haven't done eye tracking, you're not really sure when is the best time to apply it. So I, I would say it is something that you want to apply much later in the design process. So where we do a lot of upfront research and quite a lot of iterative research during like wireframing or early prototypes where the design is still really forming, it's not really the best time to do eye tracking then because your eyes are, it, it is so amazingly easy to influence where someone's eyes look. So if your designer changes the color of a button at some point, or you make something bigger, or you move something from here to there in your interface design, it it really can dramatically change where they're looking. And so it it really gets the most value when we have a design that is fairly well baked, we're really using to kind of evaluate where the hierarchy is with that design. Interesting. Also curious about if I can uh, kind of follow up with the cost of doing eye tracking and kind of the ROI of that process? Yeah, I I think that's an important one because eye tracking is not cheap. (laughs) Uh, It has come down a lot, though, over the years. 
I would also say that when we talk about eye tracking, there's what I call the traditional eye tracker, which is, you know, a physical hardware device. And in some cases, that's something that fits onto a computer monitor. In some cases, it's actually eyewear. So it's actually glasses that are used. And, you know, some of those can be expensive. But there's really a whole new generation of eye tracking that's even going beyond hardware devices where uh, you can actually use a webcam to do eye tracking now. And so that technology is getting better every day. And I think the ROI, though, really is getting data and insights that we just can't get through traditional usability testing or other research means. You're getting a much deeper understanding of users' behavior that there's really no equivalent in my experience. So you're, you're getting that extra value through these deeper insights that you can't get otherwise. So let's talk a little bit more about the the three types of visualizations, gaze plots, which is qualitative, gaze replays, also qualitative, and heat maps, more quantitative. Can you tell us about these three and maybe explain to people what each is? Yeah, well, they're all basically based on the same information, which is basically you know, a coordinate system of where a person looked at any given time, which is basically a fixation. It's kind of a dot, if you will, on the screen. A lot of these things are qualitative in terms of how we use it. We're trying to understand the general patterns of eye movement behaviors that help us understand what people pay attention to, what was that path that their eyes took. And we look at that both on the individual basis, so each person's individual uh, scan path or gaze plot diagram. And usually that's contextual, so it's in the context of what were they trying to find, what were they trying to do. Um, And then we have kind of aggregated, more quantitative things like heat maps that we might combine, you know, 50 participants' eye gazes together and see where the uh, areas of attention were, where those hotter areas were, where there's a lot of people that looked. Honestly, the, I find the, the most valuable is actually the eye gaze replay, the, the basically the playback of the eyes, because I can see what the person was trying to do as they're doing, and I can see where their eyes are going. And so it kind of brings everything together of understanding with eye tracking being kind of a layer, if you will, on top of all the other data we typically collect. It kind of gives me those extra understanding of you know what those behaviors are. As I hear you talking about it, it sounds very technical, but I also know that it's also very relatable. How do you feel that is when you're reporting back to stakeholders and executives about your findings, what is that experience like for someone who's maybe not an eye tracking expert? Uh, that's a really good point. So, um, yeah, I mean, eye tracking has a lot of values beyond just the data itself. I think it's very visual <laughs> and it's fascinating. And I think that it ends up bringing a lot of the stakeholders that we want engaged in user research to observe. It certainly it, it gets their attention. It gets them engaged. And so obviously there's huge benefit to that alone. And I think also what they really enjoy is there's, there's a real-time aspect to this. So usually they're waiting to get the results from a usability test. Here I can watch live and I can literally see where the eyeballs are going. And especially if you're if you're like a designer and you just created that page, there's nothing like seeing a designer's reaction to seeing literally where a person is looking in their or their design. And it just, I think it helps connect them a lot more to the research by literally seeing it happen. It also settles a lot of arguments quickly, right? So button placement, button color, it becomes pretty apparent which one's more effective. Yeah, I mean, it's very objective. And honestly, though, a lot of the times the interest is not just where the eyes look, it's actually where they didn't look a lot of the times. So it's like, why didn't they look at that? Why didn't they notice that? 
I want to point out, though, that eye tracking is it's powerful, but it's not a mind-reading device. I don't know why they didn't look at that or why did they spend so much time looking at this particular element. So we still need the traditional, old-fashioned, think-aloud interviews. You, know, you, you still need the why behind the what. And eye tracking is mostly the what. And the point that we were making earlier, they're both very visual. So a lot of people out there are familiar with the heat maps coming from analytics versus the heat maps that come from eye tracking, which are completely different, obviously. And I, I think there is value in click data uh, for sure. I mean, there's no question, but it really is a tiny percentage of what's actually happening <laughs> um, because there's thousands of eye movements before you decided ultimately where to click with your mouse. So you're really missing a lot of the picture. So, but they can work well together though. It's very complimentary. Where did they look, which ultimately drove them to what they did? Can you talk a little bit about the difference between eye tracking for desktop computers versus smartphones? You know, these days where we've always got our phone in our hand, we're walking, we're driving, we're shopping, we're doing this and that when we're on our mobile device. I'd imagine there's some differences as far as how people interact, behaviors. Do you use a different method? Do you look at the data differently? Yeah, mobile eye tracking is definitely a different animal from desktop or laptop testing for sure. It really relies on different technology. So when we do mobile-based studies or tablet-based studies, we're really using the eye-tracking glasses for that. And the glasses are, are really a, more of a go-to tool these days, honestly, because we do so much mobile research. They are much better, though, for qualitative studies, I will say. So for those who are really interested in understanding this generally, what are people looking at in the context of ordering a latte? Or actually, I was just... Um, my team was doing research last week for a wayfinding project. So Mayo Clinic has developed a wayfinding app to help you navigate the very complex hospital um, campus they have. So it's basically a combination of using the glasses to understand how are they referencing the app? What are they looking at? And then also what's happening in their 3D world, their physical world as they're navigating. So the glasses are, are basically capturing everything, regardless of whether they're looking at the phone, looking in their environment. And it's, it's also capturing do they notice the signage, you know? And so the glasses kind of free us, if you will, from being fixed to a computer monitor. But we still do a lot of the desktop testing. Uh, like, again, we were also doing content testing actually that same week. We used a traditional eye tracker that's attached to the monitor so we can actually get really accurate understanding of how people's reading behavior is happening on the computer. So two different eye trackers, two different methods for that. Really wide ranging. That's interesting. I hadn't it hadn't occurred to me that you're using the same technology to capture the phone and looking around your environment. I'm thinking of today's environment, but we always talk about doing different methods depending on the goal and depending on the stage that you're at in the product design and development lifecycle or process. And eye tracking may come in not every single week for every sprint, but for some specific deeper studies on something specific might happen once a month or a couple of times a quarter or whatever. It came to me as it is consuming, but it is also really valuable if done correctly. Right, if done correctly. And yeah, and for the right use, um, I'd say. I mean, it's cool technology and sure, it'd be cool to do eye tracking for everything. But again, going back to that content example, so Mayo Clinic is revising all the content on our website. So we really, really want to understand fundamentally, well, what are people paying attention to with our current content? We really don't know. So it provides like that foundational understanding and a kind of a baseline really for us. 
as we basically create a whole new content strategy for the site. So that in that case, it was worth the time to do the analysis because that data is going to keep being utilized over time. Any quick tips you want to leave on eye tracking? Want to leave us with? Well, I would say, I think of the common questions I get. Sample size is always a big question. So my recommendations would be also kind of, again, knowing what you want to get out of the eye tracking. Are you focusing more on the qualitative metrics? You might be able to get away with a smaller sample size. If you're focusing on quantitative metrics, where you're going to be aggregating large numbers of participants, you want a much larger sample. I mean, could be 40 or 50 participants. So for those who are accustomed to running very small, quick, agile usability tests of five to 10 people, you might often need more participants than you typically are used to. Right. This is just another one of those methodologies that you can use to, again, just get to know the user or the customer better. So greatly appreciate it. Uh, I learned a lot. My pleasure. That's Andrew Shaw, Senior Director of Experience Design Research at Mayo Clinic. Thanks for listening to UXpeditious. Make sure to continue listening to our new episodes each week for quality insights from UX industry leaders. If you like what you heard, help us out by rating and reviewing the show on your favorite podcast platform. UXpeditious is produced by UserZoom in partnership with Pod People. Special thanks to our production team, Christopher Ratcliffe from UserZoom and the team at Pod People, Rachel King, Matt Saf, Amy Machado, Hannah Pedersen, Colleen Pellissier, and Jason Mack. <laughs>